Hey friends, it's uh, with a little bit of a heavy heart that I come before you today and talk to you about uh, a topic that's in pop culture. Uh, it does relate to the gospel, but I uh, felt a need to comment on it, maybe bring some of this to your attention. Um, it has to do with Andy Stanley's recent comments about the LGBT community. And uh, of course, we are in the middle of a series called Gospel Period, where we're dissecting and looking at the gospel from many different angles. Uh, but uh, again, this is something that's happening in pop culture today. I want to tell you my thoughts on it and see if you learn something in the process. Here we go. All right, friends. Well, uh, hey, good to see you as usual. And uh, talking today, kind of breaking away from something that I I normally do. You know, I, I'm a I'm a pastor at heart. Uh, I like to I like to have Bible studies and and talk about the Bible. Uh, I don't normally um, you know talk about the the hot topic. Uh, I may do a little bit more of that um, you know in in the coming uh, coming months. But but here's one that I just felt like I needed to discuss because um, it has to it relates in large part to um, some of the things we've done as a ministry over the last year or a couple of years maybe, and uh, how we've responded to some of the things that the LGBT community uh, is doing out there. Um, different Christians are responding to that different ways, but uh, again, today we're going to talk about Andy Stanley. Before I do that, I want to introduce you to my friend and partner in ministry. This is Mr. One and Only Don Medicus. So excited that you're here with us today. I'm glad to be here. And uh you know, Don is a super cool guy. He's uh, someone who loves the Lord, and uh, he's got a he's committed to the Bible uh, as we Amen. we are as a ministry as well. And um, I, I felt a need to talk about this because Andy Stanley is somebody that I personally have looked up to. I have personally read some of his books. Um, I, going back to my youth pastor days, because that was how I started off in ministry uh, 23 years ago, quarter century ago. Oh my gosh. You're old man. You. I am old. Um, so I, I, used to, I used to look up to him. I've read his books. One of his books in particular, which I used it like in tandem with my Bible, it was called The Seven Checkpoints uh, for Youth Ministry. And it basically just it, fantastic curriculum for youth ministry. I used it for a whole year of, of worth of curriculum for my youth ministry at the, at the time. And, um, you know, thankful for what he did back then. Uh, mm-hmm. a, a lot of times today there's, you know, Christian leaders and, and people that we look up to and they'll, you know, it, 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 a lot of time doesn't pass before all of a sudden they make a controversial statement or something happens. But in the case of Andy Stanley, um, this isn't the first time that he's said something controversial. I've never met him personally. I, I don't know him personally. Um, I, you know, Don, I know when I mentioned this to you earlier, you are well aware of his father, Charles oh, Stanley. Yes. I have read his books as well. Uh, look up to Charles and, and yeah. the things that he's done in he's ministry. Teacher. Tremendous teacher, tremendous pastor, mm-hmm. uh, tremendous heart for the Lord. So that that's why this issue has sort of become... Uh, a, a, a bit of a stench in the Christian community uh, to the point that a lot of people are talking about it now. And I think it does raise the question, not only with the issue at hand, but also as to our Christian leaders. What constitutes a false teacher? Who can we listen to? Um, and, 
you know, what are, what are the criteria that we give for some of those things? But uh, all of this most recent um, uh, sort of this, this most recent episode and, and, and um, uh, ruckus started with uh, some comments that have recently been released, video uh, evidence that's recently been released from a conference in which he preached at his church last year. So this is going on a year ago. Hmm. This isn't this wasn't like last Sunday. It was just released recently. Footage of him talking about uh the LGBT community. Uh I, I don't have all of the footage just because there's there's too much of it to talk on and 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 it could make for an hour or two hours of talking points. Um you can actually find it on Twitter. You can find several other people talking about this online. But um but uh, nonetheless, this is just some comments that he made, and, and this is just a, a brief clip uh, about what he said about the LGBT community about a year ago. And then um, after we watch this one, we'll watch a, a, a short additional video where I'll kind of explain to you um, where I think some of this came from. And it really started several years ago with him, uh, you know, with, with faulty foundations that were laid. And I think there's some warning signs really for the teachers that we listen to. Uh, if you are a pastor and you're teaching the Word of God, I think there's there's warning signs for you, for me, for everybody, even as a Christian, that it's really a slippery slope when you start to step away from the Word of God. But here's the first video. This is from, again, last year. This is video that just recently surfaced of him speaking at a conference at his church Figure last out year. how to get straight people as excited about serving and engaging as the gay men and women I know, we would have a volunteer backlog. That's my experience in our churches. Well, I, I'm a gay person, I'll just read it to you. A gay person, when I say gay, men and women, okay? A gay person who still wants to attend church after the way the church has treated the gay community, I'm telling you, they have more faith than I do. They have more faith than a lot of you. A gay person who knows, you know what? I might not be accepted here, but I'm gonna try it anyway. What? Have you ever done that as a straight person? Do you, where do you go that you're not sure you're gonna be accepted and you go over and over and over and over? Only your in-laws house. That's the only place you go where you know you're not completely accepted, but you go over and over and over and it's because you have to. But other than the in-laws, what environment do you continue to step foot in knowing at any moment you may feel ostracized? No place, I'm telling you, the gay men and women who grew up in church and the gay men and women who've come to faith in Christ as adults who want to participate in our church, oh my goodness. I know 1 Corinthians 6 and I know Leviticus and I know Romans 1. It's so interesting to talk about all that stuff, but just, oh my goodness, a gay man or woman who wants to worship their heavenly father who did not answer the cry of their heart when they were 12 and 13 and 14 and 15, God said no, and they still love God. We have some things to learn from a group of men and women who love Jesus that much and who wanna worship with us. And I know the verses, I know the clobber passages, right? We gotta figure this out. So, uh... There you have it. That's just a clip, and and I don't want to take somebody out of context. I wouldn't want somebody to take me out of context. If people are going to take someone else on, out of context, what you know? What are you what are you going to do? Um, it's just it's part of what happens in life. That's not what we're trying to do here. Um, 
there was some things just right there. I think that were interesting. Mm-hmm. Now he he did say other he did say some other things as well. Um, one of the things that he goes on to say is that uh, basically to apologize to the LGBT community for church people, um, and uh, you know I, when I'm listening to that. I have uh, multiple reactions to it, but uh, his initial uh, points that he's making here, okay, are that the Christian church is being insensitive to the gay community. All right, that, that's his initial point that he's making. And we, we all are probably aware of times where we've seen that kind of thing happen, maybe from mm-hmm. a Christian, maybe from a church, maybe from a pastor, church leader, uh, maybe there's times where you've been insensitive. I mean, as human beings, we can be insensitive, period, to different groups, to others, to minorities. It's it's part of our nature. Um, so, you know, I don't want to deny that that happens. So I want to sort of get that, just get that out right away. I don't want to deny that that happens. Um, I, I do think it is. A, it, it does sometimes, uh, there probably is a, a time where maybe uh, a gay person, or a transgender feels like they feel unwelcome at a church, maybe because of something that happened, maybe because of something they heard somebody say. I don't know. But what should our response as Christians be to this, this accusation? And then I, I want to ask this question as well. Is it a legitimate criticism of the church? Is the church actually and truthfully unwelcoming to the LGBT community, I'm going to say ultimately that it isn't. Right. Uh, and and how should we respond to this movement? Should we respond uh, with comments like Andy Stanley made here or like he's said on other occasions or elaborated on? I mean, I thought it was ironic. He was talking about, quote, clobber passages, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and the, what that means is passages of the Bible, Romans or... Uh, First Corinthians that are used to quote clobber gay people with them. You know, there's some in the Old Testament too. Yeah, there's Old Testament. Yeah, and yeah. and so um, you know, th- there are. Uh, it is our belief here that uh, the Bible clearly says uh, it clearly lays out. I'm going to say it like this: it clearly lays out uh, a proper context for sexual relationships and what they look like. Uh, in which the sexual relationship is good and holy and pure. There's a certain context for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Jesus taught us that we all sin sexually as well. So there's not a person that doesn't sin sexually. So I want to say that as well. Uh, Even if it happens in the realm of of our thoughts, there's many people who are listening to this right now who have dealt with pornography, who deal with, with pornography. Yep. But Jesus took it a step further. He says, if you lust in your in your mind, if you lust in your heart after someone else's wife, that's the same as committing adultery or someone right. that isn't your wife, because that's really the proper context, you know. So we understand we're human beings. We understand all have sinned and fallen short. Right. And we're not judging anyone. That's that's not our intent. What we do want to do here today is have a discussion as to what is appropriate in the realm of of uh, the sexual relationship. And, and I guess what our response should be as Christians. And are some of these uh, accusations that are being leveled against Christians and the church today legitimate? 
Um, Dawn, do you have any thoughts before I kind of get into things on, on what we just watched or anything that I just said there? Ah, uh, you le- asked the loaded question. I, I did, yeah. yeah it's a little well, loaded. first Keep- off, the Lord says in the word, hate the sin, but yeah. love the sinner. Yeah. So we're supposed to love these people that are homosexual or lesbian, whatever, uh, transgender, whoever they are. We're supposed to love them, but it doesn't mean we agree with their lifestyle. And if you are a true believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a true believer in God's word, they, in the Old Testament, if they found homosexual or lesbian, they stoned them. Yeah. There was no, like, letting them go and any recourse like we have today where we just let it happen. They actually took the people outside of the city and stoned them to death. So why is Stanley saying what he's saying, that we're insensitive when God is saying this is wrong, yeah. you're in my face with a lie. I created a man and a woman, and man and women are supposed to get married and be together, not man with man or woman with woman. And you can't have that. Yeah. And once you go down that road, it gets slipperier and slipperier to where, what do you believe in the Word of God? Nothing. Yeah. You don't believe the Bible at all. So that's where this whole thing is going, and, and I feel sorry for this because I know just probably throughout the world, but especially in the United States with transgender and lesbian, homosexual, and stuff like that, it's becoming like a common, normal thing. Yeah. And it's not common. It's not normal. It's not right. And if you have those feelings, you need to ask God for forgiveness and get away from it. Now, I understand this. Maybe you would as a man or a woman, maybe really care for another woman, a woman for a woman, or a man for a man. But when you act on it, when you actually have sexual relations with that person, then you've committed this sin as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, we we can't always control every one of our feelings and emotions and things like that, and obviously uh, it's complex to be a human being. Um, But it's it's what you do with that. And and so what what does a homosexual do someone who uh, would identify themselves that way you're having dealing with same-sex attraction if you can't be in a god-sanctioned relationship marriage relationship with someone of the opposite sex marriage relationship that is uh, if you can't exist in that sphere then then you need to remain celibate Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's the same thing as as an alcoholic as somebody who deals with any sin uh then you 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 abstain from from sex. Right. And does that mean you're going to be perfect? By the way, um, I, I'm not an authority on this either. And I don't want to, I don't want to present myself on it as an authority on this particular issue. What, what I would encourage you to do is listen to people who are gay and who agree with everything that we're saying right now, who agree that uh, they've come out of that lifestyle and, and they've chosen either there's pastors out there, there's people who, who are living a celibate lifestyle or, They've dealt with same-sex attraction, and they're married to someone of the opposite sex. All I'm saying is listen to them. Listen to someone who's actually dealt with this and interprets the Bible the same way we do. And, and they would say, they would describe in their own words, they're living a victorious, uh, you know, uh, victorious Christian relation, life. Christian life. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, you know, I, like, I don't struggle with that. I struggle with a plethora of other things. <laughs> You and me both. Don, you struggle with, with things. So 
we all struggle. We are all sinners. This is part right. of the gospel. We are all sinners. I am not better than you. You know, it is by God's grace that I even have a relationship with him. Amen. It is by God's grace that I am able to get out of bed every day. And 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 there in there is no judgment here. It's it's what do we do as Christians? It's a very complex issue and it's what what do we do with it? Well, our starting place has to be that the Bible is is true. All right. Our starting place has to be that the Bible is literal. I go to great lengths to explain why it is essential to the gospel that we take a literal interpretation of Genesis 1 through 6, including a great global flood. I think there's lots of evidence out there for that. In fact, that's what I see the evidence for. When I look all around, I see sedimentary rock layers. I see, you know, evidence for a, a designer, a creator. I don't see evidence that we came from monkeys. Like, as a starting place, we have to look at God's word and say, okay, God's word is is literal for the most part. There's times where in, in the Psalms or sometimes in the prophets where it goes into poetry and there needs to be a little bit of interpretation. But when, when we're dealing with a, a, you know, a book that's a narrative, we, we need to take the Bible literally. And there's no reason not to do that. Um, the, the Old Testament, by the way, it presents the same God that the New Testament does. I've heard right. people say the Old Testament is a God of wrath. No, he isn't. No. He's right. a God of mercy who chose Israel because he loved Israel. That's what it says in Deuteronomy. In mm-hmm. the same way that in Ephesians, the Bible says, Paul says, God chose us, and we're welcomed in, into that family. If you want to say that's different than the New Testament, then you really don't know the Old Testament. Right. You, you may not fully understand the nature of God. I'm not saying you don't know God. I'm just saying you may not fully understand the nature of God and how God works in the world and and how he's the one who has the right to call the shots out there, not us. Right. He's the one who determines what morality is. In fact, his very nature, the nature of God, if you look at theology, the nature of God is what actually, that is what defines morality, is his nature. So we need to look to God and what God created and the way God created things. So getting back to Andy Stanley and his comments, he makes these comments about how uh, basically in the video clip that we watched, the LGBT community is not welcome. He paints this picture, and then he says this joke. You know, I, I almost chuckled, but it's it's just so gross what he's saying that it, you know, sort of pushed me back in the other direction and probably a lot of other people as well. But, you know, he makes this joke about the only place you go where you're constantly not welcomed is, is with your in-laws. <laughs> you know, where, so everybody laughs. And, and so he's comparing that a dysfunctional relationship, and not everybody has that relation kind of relationship with their in-laws, by the way. That's right. A lot of people have good relationships with, with them. He, he basically relates a, a significantly dysfunctional relationship with one's in-laws to the way LGBT people relate to the church today. So is that true? I mean, do they have to push through so much to come to church? They I mean, don't. do they, because of... Is that true? Because I would say that's not true. I personally feel like that isn't true. Right. I can honestly say as a pastor, a preacher of the gospel for many years, I never specifically preached a sermon on that issue. Not one time. I never really, I hit on sexual immorality many times. I hit on cussing. I hit on other, many other sins. I don't know. And Dawn, you've sat under my teaching for many years. How many times did I single out that group? Never that I know of. Never that right, exactly that right. you know of. Now I've I've always believed it's it's not right. But I've never I've never done that. 
And there's a lot of other pastors who follow the same pattern. In fact, to be honest with you, I think that's one of the problems today. I think one of the problems is what we're doing as pastors. When I look back on what I did, what we're doing as the church is we're bowing down mm-hmm. to a criticism that isn't valid. Right. It isn't true. I know many churches mm-hmm. and I know many pastors, and I'm sorry, but if you're LGBT, you need to stop saying that because it's not true. Right. Not from the people that I know. Right. And so I think, honestly, you need to grow a pair and you need to face who you are and how who you are relates with the wide world around you. I mean, I could tell my son to, to do whatever he wants to do. Do whatever you want to do. He could come to me and say he wants to go do something crazy. But there's consequences mm-hmm. for the things that we do. There's con- consequences as a pastor. If I preach something crazy, I might lose half my church. I might lose half my audience. Right. Maybe that's a little bit what's going on, going on with Andy Stanley right now. I don't know. I know that he's, I don't know if the people in his church are walking away, but I know a lot of people are noticing this kind of stuff. And I think it's, uh, I, I think it's, uh, uh, it, it exemplifies something greater that we see happening in the church. So that was one of the reasons I wanted to talk about him, in part because I've watched him, I've learned from him, uh, I've respected him. He, he's mm-hmm. the son of a very respected pa- another pastor, his father yeah. in his own right, and and Andy Stanley's become a, his a, 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 a tremendous pastor in his own right. But it, it I, I'm not. I, I think at this stage, what do we do with him? Do we call him a false teacher? Do we say, do we say he's a pastor who's lost his way? I think that's what I want to say. I don't I like. I think to, he needs prayer. I th- absolutely, yeah. He needs guidance with the Lord. Yeah, because the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. So if he's not him, but anybody that's in sin, what you get paid for is death. That's yeah. your wage. Yeah, Romans it's 6, your, 23. Yeah, that's what you're getting paid for. And here's the other thing I want to say, too, is that when God created in the beginning, he didn't create Adam and Steve. He created Adam and Eve. And if homosexuality or lesbianism was what God ordained, then why didn't he create two men or two women yeah. and, and have it that way? And why didn't he do the same thing with all the animals? But no, he had male and female. And why? So they could appropriate and have children. Female to female can't do it, and male to male can't do it. So that's why there's two different genders because of that fact. And we need to understand that when this world pushes this garbage into your face, that it is just that, garbage. And if you're going to follow the word of God like he should, Stanley, he should look back and see, even from creation, the beginning, yeah. God did not ordain man with man or woman with woman. Yeah, and, and so you know, like I, I didn't, I don't want to go into a great discussion of why it, it's wrong and and what it is, and 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 we've both Don and I have expressed that why it is. Um, how do we handle it? How do we handle this with other people? Um, and, and what is it? What does it mean? Um, I, I think one of the reasons this happens is because, I, I don't think it's the only reason, I think there's there's multiple reasons for that. I, I think one of the reasons is that uh, within the church, within the church, 
Okay. And I don't want to say seeker or church growth movement, that, that kind of stuff. Some of those are, that's old terminology at this point, but like, but within churches who are trying to grow. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I've pastored churches that are trying to grow and, and I, I understand our desire to reach people. Mm-hmm. And that's why we don't talk about certain things, controversial topics. That's because we don't want to, we don't want somebody to feel like they can't come into our church. Right. All right. But I think one of the reasons this happens, and you see these extreme examples like we're now seeing with Andy Stanley, is that pastors have this desire to reach people, and they've you know developed a they've we've made a science out of reach pe- reaching people uh, and growing our churches and adding numbers, and and maybe we've made a little bit of an idol out of that. Right. M- maybe we've made a little bit of, of an idol uh, out of reaching other people and, and having a large church and just trying to reach that one. The problem is when we take that mentality too far, because we should strive. The apostle Paul says in first Corinthians right. chapter nine, I became all things to all people, to the Jews. I became a Jew to the right. Gentiles. I became a Jew mm-hmm. and a slave. I became a slave to free, a free man. I became a free man. So like, uh, so I, we, we should strive and we should stretch stretching for the blessing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the church slogan. But at the same time, when we stretch too far and we separate ourselves from the body of Christ, what we end up doing is harm to the good ones. Yes. We end up actually harming the sheep that are legitimately trying to serve Christ. Right. And live a non-lust-filled lifestyle. You got, you got somebody in your congregation who's... They're trying to overcome porn, their addiction to pornography. They're trying to overcome their addiction to, to alcoholism. And then all of a sudden, we're just saying to you know gay people, it doesn't matter. Just go do whatever you want, and, and, and we, we're not going to comment on that. We'll comment on alcoholics. We'll comment on, on, on child abusers or, or on liars or, or on whatever, but we won't mm-hmm. comment on this one thing. So by that special treatment, what you do is you end up hurting the rest of the flock and you end up hurting, hurting. You end up actually hurting the sheep. I I want you to think about that if you're a pastor. You end up hurting the people that you are supposed to be a shepherd of the flock and you actually end up hurting your sheep. And I'll tell you the the second reason I think this happens today in a second. Go ahead, Don. All I was going to say is you're not only hurting the sheep, you're, you're hurting the people that are gay. Yeah. Men and women. Yep. yep. You're, you're hurting them yep. because they're not hearing From the potential truth. growth they could have. And the thing of it is, is if you truly, truly, this is throughout God's word. If you're truly seeking the Lord, if you're truly seeking purity and you want to be right with God, you're going to look at yourself and say, okay, what sin is in my life? I mean, we all have a, a, a sin that just comes on us, and it's like we have to fight it constantly. We might have more than one, but the thing of it is you're fighting against it. You're trying to stop it. You're, not, you're trying to have God come, please help me, Lord. Please help me stay away from this sin. I don't want to do this, like, say, pornography or something like that. And you say, please, Lord, please keep me away from that and stop that. And see, with, with uh, homosexuality or lesbianism, it's the same thing. Yeah. When they have that feeling, they should ask, please, Lord, keep me away from that. And I've heard preaching on the fact of when you feel you're going to drop into sin, you say, Lord, help me so I don't. 
yeah. drop into this sin. And I've tried that many times, and it helps. It works. God helps me to get away from that situation. And it, it's different situations for different people. But, you know, you've got to understand, if you're seeking the purity of God, you're going to try to get away from what is not right. Yeah. You know, and, and so, yeah, it's, it's just damaging all around. Right. And, and, uh, and, and so the second thing about, the second reason I think this happens is I think a it, false teachings from culture and society in general. Um, we mm-hmm. talked about this a little bit when we began, but evolution, being taught from the time our kids are, are born in the school systems, um, and it's grounded into us in, in uh, our universities and uh, through psychology. So, some of these uh, psychological principles, when you go to study psychology and stuff like that in college as well, a lot of it's based on the fact that we came from animals. Right. And so all I want to say is like, you know, I don't want to make a boogeyman out of this. I just want to say that this stuff matters. Mm -hmm. And so when we start, if you call yourself a Christian and you start looking at the Bible and deciding, okay, this is literal, this isn't literal and the da, 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 and you're going to just kind of make sense of it for yourself and decide what's right in your own eyes instead of trusting God that it's just true and that it happened. And there's plenty of evidence to that, then that's what's ultimately ultimately the, the culture suffers. It does plant some of those seeds in our mind. You do see this whole movement now uh, looking at passages of the Bible, creating the Queen James Bible, and, and changing the Word of God right. to say things that it doesn't say. You know, if, if you go into passages in the New Testament, you see, it, it talks very clearly in Romans chapter 1 about this, and, and you can't you cannot see that in any different way other than what it says, that, that men were inflamed in their lust for one another, right. right? In the Old Testament, you see the same thing, in, in, and again, it's the same God between the Testaments. In Leviticus, you know that it says, it says, a man shall not lie with a man like one lies with a woman. But it also says not to dress mm-hmm. like... Oh, a man should not dress like a woman. Right. Today, so, and, and that's not, of course, that's not talking about a comedy sketch on Saturday, sketch on Saturday Night Live. It's talking about a trend, somebody who does that because they want to be a woman. Mm-hmm. It's talking about, it's talking about not being content. The Bible talks a lot about being content with what God's blessed you with and, and how God's given, you know, the, the things that he's given you. Whatever state of life you're in, rich, poor, slave, free, whoever you are, being content with what you have. Right. The Bible talks quite a bit about this. And and I one of my criticisms of the homosexual lifestyle, in line with adultery or uh, any any other sexual perversion, because that's what it is. I mean, any other, even if it's just somebody who can't control their thought life and they're constantly obsessing over sex with somebody of the opposite sex. Same thing. Let's lump it all together. It's indulgence. Mm-hmm. That, in, in other words... What that means is it's unnecessary. You don't have to do that to feel whole. The only thing that you need in this life to feel whole is a personal relationship mm. with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Man shall not live by bread alone, Amen. but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Amen. The only thing that you need, the only thing that you need is Jesus. That's right. Everything else is unnecessary, truly is unnecessary. So uh, I wanted to show one other clip 
from uh, Andy Stanley. Now, this is from a couple of years ago. And this was the first time that there was a little bit of a kerfluffle. I don't even know if that's a word, Don, <laughs> kerfluffle. You never thought you'd hear me I say never that. never heard that. No. But uh, this is what caused the kerfluffle a couple of years ago. And, and it, it's um, more to do with his take on the Bible. I think this is very revealing. This was very concerning for me when I heard this a couple of years ago. Um, you can actually hear multiple different clips of him saying similar things. So this isn't just one instance. Both of these topics, I'm just showing you one clip. There's, there's plenty of red meat out there if you just want to go search for it on Andy Stanley. But lots of people who believe this today, and I think great discussion on how should we look at the Bible, how should we interpret it, how sh- what should our take be on, on how welcoming or not welcoming we are to other people, who don't want to live a biblical lifestyle, how should we integrate them into our churches? Um, how do we handle it if we're in a church where a pastor starts preaching some of this crap? Right. How do we handle that? So here's this is where I think it starts uh, and, and kind of where the warning signs were with Andy Stanley. Uh, Peter, years ago. James, Paul elected to unhitch the Christian faith from their Jewish scriptures. And my friends, we must as well. And I'll tell you why. It's actually the same reason they did. Because we must not make it difficult for those Gentiles who are turning to God. They didn't. We shouldn't either. Okay, so again, we have an issue of a pastor trying to make it easy for people to enter into their churches and into the kingdom of God. And there's, there is scriptural precedence uh, Jesus criticized the Pharisees for uh, for closing, slamming the kingdom of heaven, the doors of the kingdom in people's faces. Um, and we, sh- the the early church also sent a, a letter after the Jerusalem Council to uh, to the the Gentile churches that were being saved to to not make it difficult on the Gentiles. Don't mm-hmm. don't cause uh, force them to get circumcised and do all this thing. That's what he's referring to there. Okay. So how far do we take that? How, how, how far do we take that? What he's saying here in another clips is that the Old Testament, and I, I think this is part of his philosophy for reaching people today, and it's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, and you can see where it's, what the, the fruit that it's born with right. the first video that we watched, is that the Old Testament should be, quote, unhinged from the new. Why does he want to unhinge the Old Testament? Well, because he thinks it's a, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, please, but just look up your own video clips on him. Uh, he, he thinks that it's, uh, you know, mythological, doesn't believe in a uh, literal six-day creation. Um, not, that that's the, not that that's the qualification for entry into the kingdom. All I'm saying is that he doesn't, so he's taking a non-literal approach to Genesis. And... Because of some of the other clips that I've heard, where I've heard him speak, it seems like he thinks that it's uh, some of this stuff might be metaphorical, mythological. Uh, there's things in the Old Testament that are hard to understand, like apparent the apparent genocide of an entire city or culture or people that that were being dispossessed by the Israelites as they were going into the Promised Land, and maybe some other hard to understand cultural issues. For those of us who are judgmentally, I would add, looking back on that time and period and place when we are filled with sins of our own today, right. what right do we have to judge them? So he, he thinks that this is an issue in sharing the gospel. So what's his strategy? 
to just say, well, let's just disconnect the Old Testament altogether. I just want to focus on Jesus and his resurrection. Well, I got news for you, friend. If you disconnect the Old Testament from the new, the new has no meaning. And I would add, if you can't take the supernatural miracles in the old, of the parting of the Red Sea, and of a literal creation, you have no basis for a resurrection. None. Right. Because it could all be mythological. So why are, why are we getting subjective all of a sudden and sorting, uh, sort of adding degrees or layers of miracles? I mean, quite frankly, it's all a miracle. Existence is a miracle exactly. for crying out. Do you, do you ever study, you know the, how the chances of us existing, nil, zero. We can't exist apart from God supernaturally making it all happen like he did in the beginning, all right? Whether you want to believe that it happened through the Big Bang or not, I'm not a proponent of the Big Bang, unless you want to say the Big Bang happened after God created the earth, because I take Genesis 1 literally. Right. But you can't unhinge the old from the new. It doesn't work like that. It is one document, dummy. Right. Andy, Pastor Andy, it is one document. I don't know what your degree is. I got a doctoral degree. I believe in what's called covenantal theology. That tends to emphasize the unity between the two. If anything, you've got in the new covenant or testament, the word testament is Latin for covenant, Mm -hmm. you've got basically a renewed covenant, a new and greater, right? It's new and greater, but it doesn't mean that the old had bad principles in it. It just meant that some of the symbolic nature was ineffective for salvation. You know, sacrificing the animals. Right. And the and the letter the letters carved in the stone wasn't able to save you like the letters carved on your heart. You are right. God's letter today. That's the new covenant. You can't understand I don't believe I don't believe that he really understands the Old Testament, Don. I don't th- yes, I will I will go along with this. I would say I don't think he believes in the Bible period. He picks and chooses yeah. what he wants to believe out of it. I mean, it sounds like that. Yeah, you know? and, but he don't believe in it literally. Yeah. And the thing of it is, is to me, you've got to believe it from cover to cover. And it was put together by how many different people. I mean, God inspired man to write the Bible, but when they found the different scriptures in that, they put them all together. And it was under a lot of prayer, a lot of scrutiny, and everything else, just to get the Bible what it is today. And then for a person to come and dissect it and say, no, this don't go here, this is wrong, this never happened, Jonah never got uh, eaten by a big fish, there was no parting of the Red Sea, and start going on and on and on and on about like Jericho going around it seven times and the walls falling down. I mean, this is all a myth. Yeah. Yeah, right. So you got to believe God for what God says it is. And here's one other thing. Jesus says, come to me as little children. Now, when your son was a young kid, one or two years old, and you went to walk across a main street, you took him by the hand, he had total trust that daddy was going to get him from this point to that point without getting hit by a car or whatever would happen to him. That's the way we're supposed to trust Jesus Christ. We're supposed to listen to what he has to say in the word, Old Testament and New, and follow him. And and it's not blind faith. 
Some people says, oh, that's blind faith. No, it isn't. It's faith in Jesus Christ that he's telling you this is the way to live your life and lead your life. And you need to take his hand and do just that. Amen. Follow what he tells you to do. Amen. And, you know, here's the thing. I mean, we'll just kind of wrap this discussion up here. Um, I, this is not... This is not an indictment on the LGBT community. No, it isn't. And, and, I, and here's the thing: is you're you're going to laugh at that if you're part of that community because you've had it, you've been brainwashed to have it in your mind that Christians don't like you. No, Christians love you. Christians love non-believers. Christians love Muslims. That's why they go to all the world to share Christ with people. That's why a lot of Christians die because they want to share the love of God with other people, Amen. no matter who they are and where they are in the world. So this is not an indictment. It's just something that I, I, I do not see the point in this. Right. I, don't, I do not see the point in the strategy. I think it's ungodly. I think it hurts the sheep of the church, mm -hmm. the, the people that, that if, as pastors, I'm supposed to protect and that you're supposed to protect. It also, it, it, it actually, this kind of, it, it, it actually is the flip of, of what someone would say. It's the flip of what he said. Mm -hmm. What he's doing is shutting the door of the kingdom in people's faces that otherwise could enter in and find victory over sin. Right. The sin and death that plagues them. In a non-condemning non way, there is no, therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. Right. None. And, and I don't have a problem with you as a person. I don't have a problem with, uh, with, with, with the LGBT community. I don't. I can care less what you think. You can hurl any insult at me you want. You want, but I know my heart. I don't. My problem is with the approach that we take to things that the Bible talks about as sin. I get that it's complicated. I get it. Life's complicated. I'm trying to get over my own sins half the time. Amen. And, yeah, and so too. are all of us. So there ain't mm -hmm. nobody judging you. Um, this is really just sort of a, uh, I think, a bit of a, a rant against the way many people in the church are handling this issue and why I think we need to take the word of God seriously. We need to see it as literal from start to finish, uh, at least the narrative portions of it that are telling us where we came from. It wasn't a metaphor. It's literal. God made you. He made this creation, and it was good, and then we tarnished it with sin. Mm -hmm. But then Christ calls us out of sin. Sin is slavery. It's a bondage right. of, of any kind. And, and, and um, you know, we, we don't want people to be living in bondage. Uh, we don't want that for you or anyone else. So, um, uh, so I was going to ask you to close us in prayer, Don. Okay. Uh, just for the topic, maybe for the Christian community. And, uh, you know, how, what, what, what can we do with this? Maybe even uh, pray for Andy Stanley as well and right. anybody who's in his listening audience. Okay. Well, First off, I just want to ask any, everybody that's listening, where are you going to spend your eternity? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought where you're going to spend your eternity? Because you're going to spend it somewhere. And I want to lift this up in prayer. I want to lift up Andy Stanley to you, Lord God. I ask that you touch him, Lord. Did you open up his heart, his mind, his soul, his spirit unto you? Help him, Lord God, to see the truth that he would be able to to see the truth and to know the truth and to see that he's in error and that he should change his ways, ask for repentance, he should be repentance and ask for his sins to be forgiven.
And for all the others that are out there listening to us right now, I ask, if you want to be saved, if you want to come unto the Lord, just say this simple prayer. Say, please, Jesus, I am a sinner. I can't save myself. There's nothing I can do to gain the kingdom of heaven. There's nothing I can do at all, but you've done it all. You came here. You lived on this earth. You gave your life for us on the cross and took our sins. And then you, when you died, you were buried for three days and you arose on the third day. And through that resurrection, and then you ascended into heaven. I truly believe that I need you as my Savior. I need to come unto you. I need to give my whole self unto you. Help me, Lord God, if I'm having any bad feelings of any kind of what we've been talking about today or anything else, Lord, that you forgive me for that and help me to get over that so that I don't sin anymore, that I don't go against your will anymore. And please, Lord, help me to do your will on this earth, to do whatever it is you chose me to do. I lift this up to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. And uh, hey, if you said that prayer, uh, then uh, you're you're born again. You're brought into the family of God. Leave us a comment. Let us know. Uh, that prayer is the real deal right there. That's a scriptural thing. It says The Bible says in Romans that all those who call, uh, excuse me, it says that, um, uh, that if you confess the Lord Jesus with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So Amen. if that was you, if that's what you just did, then you will be, uh, you are saved. You are born again. And you are, you have the power of God. That's why, that's why we believe in preaching God's great gospel. Uh, why we're not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. And so uh, you've got the power of God to live a victorious Christian life the way that the scriptures tell us to live. And uh, what great power and freedom there is in that. There is no condemnation for you Amen. if you said that as well. So uh, we hope you enjoyed the discussion today and uh, you, maybe you learned something. Uh, I do want to encourage you to uh, support us as well. This is a uh, nonprofit organization, Gospel Ministries. Uh, we believe passionately in giving Bibles to new believers and supporting missionaries around the world in addition to creating online content that uh, shows the Bible to be the truth that it really is. So you can uh, partner with us by going to PastorAJ.com and clicking the link that says Partner with Pastor AJ. Having said that, we will see you next time. But before we go... Here is a word from our sponsor. I've already told you about my recent trip to the Middle East and the real Mount Sinai in Saudi Arabia, but what you may not know is that you can experience these things for yourself, and it's all made possible through our friends and ministry partners at DiscoveredSinai.com, where Andrew Jones and his team will take you on an adventure of biblical proportions to places like Noah's Ark, the Pyramids of Egypt, the real Mount Sinai and Red Sea Crossing site, the Split Rock of Horeb, Elijah's Cave, Sodom and Gomorrah, and Jerusalem. I can't emphasize enough just how incredible this opportunity is. It will be life-changing for you and your family. And here's the cool part. You can do the whole tour or just book the individual things you'd like to see. And the prices are amazingly reasonable for this all-inclusive spiritual experience. Book your tour today at DiscoveredSinai.com.